0: It's great to be here with all of you, and, and also with an awful lot of friends. There's one friend in particular I wanted to mention at the beginning. He's, we've known each other for many years in the course of this conservative movement. His voice and his values are respected by people all across this country. And I can tell you, our administration is grateful for his friendship, for his support, and for his leadership in the conservative movement. Would you join me in thanking the founder? of the resurgent and one of the most prominent conservatives in America, Eric Erickson.
1: Well, thank you, Mr. Vice President. I, that was totally unexpected. I was waiting for the Apollo 11 countdown. <laughs> Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here at Atlanta's Evening News. That was Vice President Mike Pence at this weekend's Resurgent Gathering. y'all. I, it really takes a lot to make me mad. Uh, it really takes a lot to make me mad. And I tried to be rather laid back and even keeled, but man, the, when it comes to this, the coverage of the shootings this weekend, uh, the Atlanta journal constitution, I think has hit a real low, uh, particularly because they tried to drag me and my conference into it and it really makes me mad. And I really expect that the AJC will apologize, you know. Several years ago, I offhandedly referred to them as Neil Borch used to as as the uh, urinal constipation. And we're all owned by the same parent company. And they were livid that I said it on air, Uh, got very upset and, and complained. And I've never called them that again. And today in the AJC, uh, it, it reads like Jim Galloway wrote it. I, I assume Jim Galloway did. And I got a good relationship with Jim Galloway, which makes it even makes me even more mad about it because he, he knows how to get in touch with me to ask the question. Uh, I had Karen Handel on stage with me at the Resurgent Gathering on Saturday, taking on Lucy McBath and Galloway suggests in his column, I did not ask Karen Handel about the shooting in El Paso, Texas for political reasons or any of the other people on stage at the resurgent gathering uh, for political reasons. In fact, I, I had a series of tweets sometime late in the weekend, I think. on It might have been late Saturday night. It might have been Sunday. I don't know. It all blurs together uh, that Republicans really don't need to engage on this issue because the media already has a narrative to blame Republicans, claim that they're propping up white supremacists, avoiding the issue and in and, and the tank for guns. And, and I think Jim Galloway in his Political Insider column Proves my point, by the way, he handled this by throwing that that tweet up and saying, oh, I guess this isn't why he asked any of the people. The shooting happened at 1130 Central Time, 1230 Eastern Time. Uh, Karen Handel wasn't on stage until 130. It's it's the dog that didn't bark, Da, da, da playing Sherlock Holmes. It, it it's, makes me livid that he would suggest that without even bothering to ask. There is a really easy answer for why I did not ask any of the candidates about the shooting in El Paso, Texas. And you can go to theresurgent.com and pull up my piece where I have the screenshots from my cell phone. The first breaking news alert out of El Paso did not hit the wires until 3:47 p.m. on the New York Times on my phone. The second breaking news alert came from the Wall Street Journal. It was at 3:57 p.m. I've got the screenshots. You can, you can go to theresurgent.com and see for yourself. So let's see. Um, I didn't ask Karen Handel about the El Paso shooting because she was on stage from 1.30 to 2 p.m. and I didn't even get a breaking news alert until 3.47 p.m. well after she was gone, Jim. That's why I didn't ask her. Maybe you should have direct messaged me and asked me why I didn't ask. In fact i remember distinctly seeing because i had my watch on uh because people were tapping me when time was up i've got the little i turned i've got an apple watch and to try to keep the trains running on time at at the conference there was a clock in the back but also i had staff who within the conference room were able to send me a note that would get to my phone even with the limited cell service and it, it would tap me and say okay i know i've got a couple minutes left here and i got a tap and thought oh time must be up bill lee the governor of tennessee was on stage there were three minutes on the clock in the back of the room, and he was talking about how his wife died when he was 40 years old and left him with four children. His daughter then attempted to commit suicide and was very nearly successful, and he left his business in the hands of friends to take care of his family, and they nearly put it in bankruptcy. And suddenly, I get this alert. There are three minutes left on the clock saying, oh, there's been a shooting somewhere. I knew nothing about it other than there, there's been a shooting somewhere somewhere. And I wasn't going to say, okay, hey, governor, in the three minutes left, now that you've told us your wife was dying, your your wife was dead, your daughter nearly committed suicide, your business was going bankrupt, let's talk about gun violence in America. And then the next guest was Carrie Cirovino from the Judicial Crisis Network. Not a relevant topic for her. I just – the – You know, this is actually the AJC plays perfectly into where I wanted to go with this today, because there really is no reason for any Republican to talk to any reporter about gun violence in this country because their narrative is already set and every single story has to be fit into the box. And here comes Galloway with his political insider column and proves the point, suggesting I avoided asking candidate Republican candidates about this mass shooting for political reasons when the reality is none of us in that room knew that it had happened. The first alert was at like 347, 357, somewhere in there, depending on which one you got, and it was just a cursory alert that something had happened. I didn't even know the details until I went to dinner that night. I'm sorry I had to do a conference with the vice president of the United States, two governors, three senators, four congressmen, multiple executives from Fortune 500 companies on stage with me, and wasn't didn't have enough time to entertain the talking points the AJC might have wanted me to ask. Maybe they could ask the questions themselves instead of getting mad at me for not knowing the topic to ask the question. Just a really garbage thing for the AJC to do we're all on the same team i I guess they'll call and complain that i said something not nice about them uh that's fine it's really really aggravating that they wouldn't bother to even reach out and ask me why i didn't ask the question as opposed to just running it and suggesting that it was politics i thought they reported facts apparently not today um wow okay and i have other relevant points to make on this but that really makes me mad One of the things that frustrates me about uh, what the AJC did to me and, and the conference and to my guests on stage is that they could reach out. And I try to defend the AJC even to you and promote the good work they do. And listen, if I've done something wrong, I'm perfectly happy to be called out. But I did nothing wrong. I knew nothing about the topic. And instead of calling and reaching out and saying, hmm, this seems like something you would ask, why didn't you? And finding out I knew nothing about it on stage, um, they just ran with it and and went with speculation. And that's part of the problem we have with the way the media covers these these shooting instances. CNN is running multiple stories, attacking the president and Republicans for their handling of this stuff. Uh, They're getting some basic facts wrong along the way. Uh, You've got Chris Cuomo out there attacking Republicans for not coming on CNN. Why should they come on CNN? The entire media, and clearly the AJC is part of this, they have this narrative bubble they want to write. Did you know there were two shootings this weekend, one in Dayton, Ohio, one in El Paso, Texas. The guy who was the shooter in Dayton, Ohio is a socialist who likes Elizabeth Warren. The guy in Texas sounds like he's a Trump supporter from his white nationalist rhetoric about an invasion of people from Mexico. It sounds to some degree as the media is helpfully pointing out like things the president has said, but he goes on and talks about in his manifesto, I don't encourage you to read it, but goes on in his manifesto about how there, there's an ecological environmental disaster and all this stuff. It's very clearly someone who's trying to form a, a narrative view and, and political ideology that's neither right nor left, but a, a blending of the two. And my frustration with the media here and the way they cover these things and why no Republican should engage in this stuff is the media is so invested in blaming Donald Trump for everything these days that every story has to be political. You know, we have a real problem in this country. There is a rise of white nationalist sentiment in this country. It is something that people need to address because it is a festering problem. And we have now seen this on multiple occasions in synagogues and in Walmarts now in El Paso, Texas, of angry, mostly white young men who have been radicalized online just like jihadists are, who are anti-immigrant and frankly anti-American. And we should have a conversation about this, but we can't have a conversation about this. We can't have a conversation about this because the media is too busy playing gotcha with Donald Trump. And the media is willing to allow progressive activists to try to change the language and try to steer the conversation in ways that are unhelpful to actually advancing anything other than progressive power. I don't know a Republican in this country or a conservative in this country who isn't worried about this issue and isn't concerned for their own family's sake. But I know very, very few of them who think that it would be to anyone's advantage to impose gun control in this country when the bad guys are going to continue to get guns. But when you have these conversations in the media, as we're seeing, the very first thing a Republican is required to do is to denounce the president of the United States. And if they don't denounce the president of the United States, the media wants no part of them. The, the media does not want them to come on. The media does not want them to be a part of the conversation unless they're willing to agree with the media and the left on the talking points. It is a very one-sided conversation. We see this with the presuppositions of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Where they just presume because of tweets I made after the fact that I didn't ask candidates on stage about this because of the political implications of it. I didn't want to make them uncomfortable or some such when the reality is I didn't even know the the thing had happened and none of us did. Why would any Republican want to engage the media on these issues? And unfortunately, because the media controls so much of the conversation in the nation, we really need to be having these conversations. But there are presuppositions in place on both sides. And we should at least be able to talk fairly and honestly about those on this show tonight. And I will do my best to present the left's presuppositions as as fairly and honestly as I can, because I do understand their concerns. But also, I want to talk about some of the rights and, and why the media is incapable of engaging fairly on these issues. And if you'll just stick around with me, there are some points that need to be made on the shooting, why it's happened, and why it's going to continue to happen, and why in particular we're not going to find a solution to this because of how both sides are talking to each other. just want to do a quick timeout for thanking Quip for being a longtime sponsor of this program. A lot of you, you got kids like me headed back to school, and well... Maybe their hygiene, honest to goodness, I'm not sure how often our kid bathed during the summer. Our, our oldest now is just about every day, but the 10 year old, uh, well, time to get him back into. <laughs> a good routine and quip is a great way to do it if they're having difficulties getting well their teeth brushed on a regular basis get them a quip uh you know they, they've got a kid-sized version now but even the adult version it's fantastic long time user love it my wife uses it my daughter uses it i guess I need to get the 10 year old to start using it um it just it works it's one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the american dental association they're backed by over 25,000 dental professionals they've got thousands of five-star reviews verified five-star reviews no less it's just a great toothbrush brush it works it's so well designed it's only $25 if you go to getquip.com eric right now you get your first refill pack for free so you get your first refill pack free at getquip.com eric and what is that refill pack well every three months you get a new brush head so your quip stays up to date and fresh go to getquip.com eric right now and get this great deal all right, uh, Charlie, you can talk to me down the line. Is is there any profanity in that audio? Because it is a hippie democratic socialist who said it. I haven't listened to the clip yet. Oh. Okay, well, yeah, okay, keep, keep, keep your trigger on the button. <laughs> keep your finger on the button, because you know, this is from the Democratic Socialist Convention. While, while the HAC is making a big deal about questions I asked or didn't ask, this was happening down the street. Notice everybody was paying attention to me and my conference and not the hippies at the Democratic Socialists. But this is, this is the leader of the Democratic Socialists of America having their conference downtown at the Weston.
2: We have quiet rooms that are available. There's a range of options of these, right? One thing to note there, please don't go into that space with anything that's like an aggressive scent, for instance, right? First and foremost, use the proper doors. Don't try and exit through these or any other sort of like fun shortcuts you see. Um, You have to have your credentials at all times. There are uh, right-wing infiltrators who are trying to get in here um, and generally uh, try to be chill, right? Take a deep breath feel better before you say anything Uh, please don't tweet photos of your credentials if you have friends here that you would like to be here and they don't have credentials don't let them in don't
1: (laughs) it goes on for there i can't play it anymore because the little hippie gets gets all upset y'all these are the democratic socialists of america they were downtown and no one paid attention to well, it. By the way, uh, Antifa decided to show up to protest the vice president of the United States at my event. Six people showed up. Six people showed up. Uh, that wasn't a protest. That was standing in line to get coffee at the Starbucks. Uh, it's just <laughs> these people. Wow. Wow. Okay. The phone number here, 404-872-0750-1800, WSB Talk. I, I want to talk about worldview in this because I think it's deeply relevant to the conversations about the shootings. I, and honestly, I came in today and, and I really thought about avoiding all of it uh, and, and not even addressing it as news because what good does it do? People are in their corners. But it's very interesting, I wanna play this quick clip from the President's address this morning, and I've got some other audio from him I wanna play, but there's this.
0: May God bless the memory of those who perished
1: in Toledo, and may God protect them. The shooting was in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, It wasn't in Toledo. Whoever got this on the teleprompter, he read it off the teleprompter. Uh, Probably needs to lose their job or be disciplined. But Joe Biden actually said that the shootings were in Houston and in Michigan. He got both wrong. Notice how the media is amping up the president. They're totally ignoring that Joe Biden got it all wrong. Relevant to worldview. I want to talk about it when we come back. It is Eric Erickson here at Lance's Evening News on 95.5 WSB. I'm trying to get down with the new name. I I, I need to ask your your patience with me, those of you on the phone. Um, I, I want to talk about this shooting issue, and I want to try to reflect the perspectives. And one of the frustrations I have in... The current political climate in the United States, and it precedes Donald Trump by about a decade, is that because so much of the media has a progressive worldview, the conservatives in the country have had to understand the arguments on the left in ways the left has not had to understand arguments on the right. And I know there are people on the left who disagree with this, but just look at the issue of abortion. I can better articulate for you the progressive stance on on why abortion should be a legal right and a women's choice than a progressive can articulate my view on life. Because I am more surrounded with them and their view than they are with mine because progressives in this country tend to isolate themselves in progressive enclaves where conservatives tend to interact on a daily basis with people of, of all political walks of life. This transcends the gun issue and gets into the gun issue. And we see this with the media. We saw this with the AJC reporting. We see this with the New York Times. The the president in his remarks today actually called for stronger background checks, regimes, and red flag laws uh, as, as measures of gun control. The New York Times headline after his speech is that the president rejects all gun control efforts. Uh, Why? Because the media is not familiar with, by and large, red flag laws because they are proposals proposed by conservatives as a way to address gun violence in this country. And the media rejects them because they come from conservatives and not progressives. So they don't think that they're actually gun control measures. You see, we're dealing with presuppositions. Presuppositions are the things you believe, your worldview, if you will, when you go into arguments. And on the left, as faith, has been replaced by politics for religion, everything is looked at politically. When you listen to the conversations in the media today, if you turn on CNN, what you're going to hear are conversations about the politics of this. Will it hurt the Republicans? Will it help the Democrats? What are the political implications for Republican members of Congress? On and on it goes. Everything is looked at by politics because the presupposition for the left, uh, their faith worldview is that everything is political. And so everything must be dealt with by politics. They are looking for political solutions to evil because politics can resolve these things. And so the conversation in the media, which leans left is a secular conversation about the political ramifications, implications, and policy choices that will be made by people and the impacts they will have and why Republicans don't go on and why Republicans are to blame because it's all politics. Politics has become their religion on the right. The presupposition still tends to be a Judeo-Christian worldview where there is evil and there's nothing that can be done about it until people address the moral underpinnings of society that are crumbling and the moral underpinnings of society that are crumbling are generating loners and people who are mentally unstable and isolationist and and they're gravitating away from the church and the church is letting people down and we got to deal with the moral issue before we can deal with the political issue. And so neither side can have a conversation with each other because the right wants to engage on the moral level, the collapse of family, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The left wants to engage on the political level of gun control. And if if we ban guns, we'll stop this. Other countries don't have this, ignoring that other countries are somewhat unique or we're very unique because we have a second amendment and other countries don't. And so neither side will have a conversation with each other. As a result, both sides are ceding the ground to terrorists. Yes, I am implicating my own side in this. I am also implicating the left. Neither side wants to engage on the issue. I will tell you before you tune out because you're yelling at the radio now, conservatives, I understand why conservatives don't want to engage. Look at the AJC article about me and my conference. Their presumption is that I did not ask a candidate a question about the shooting in El Paso because of my statements that there's no reason to ask Republicans about these issues, as opposed to, I didn't know about it and would have asked about it. The presumption from the New York Times with the president's speech is that he's opposed to all gun control measures, despite in that very same speech, he proposed two measures for gun control, uh, background checks and red flag laws that most conservatives support. Now, I want to play you something else here. This is more from the president's speech. In one voice, our nation must condemn racism,
2: bigotry, and white supremacy. These sinister ideologies must be defeated. Hate has no place in America.
1: Hatred warps the mind, ravages the heart, and devours the soul. So the president... Condemns racism and and white nationalism, all the things the media says they want him to do. And it's not enough for them. Because unless the president is willing to change his Twitter habits, he's just stirring people up. Now, I got to tell you, I have a lot of friends who agree on the sentiment. That if the president is going to go out and say the things he says on Twitter then he's not really serious when he says this stuff off a teleprompter. He's saying what someone wants him to say as opposed to saying what he actually believes, and that is a problem, and I think there is a legitimate point there. But can we not just for a moment say that the media comes out all the time and says the president needs to say X, Y, and Z. The president did exactly as the media wanted, and they're blowing him up for it. That's pretty striking to me. That they're doing exactly, the president did exactly as the media wanted the president to do, and they're not willing to give the cr- president credit for it. I want to play this clip. Uh, the Trump uh, war room has put this out of Cory Booker. Listen to this for just a moment. And for him to fail even to condemn Nazis or even to, to talk about white supremacy as a problem in this country, to me, that is being complicit in the violence that is happening. That was Cory Booker in March of this year.
2: Senator, another thing that the president said in his remarks today, I'll read it to you. He said, in one voice, our nation must condemn racism, bigotry and white supremacy. Do you welcome that acknowledgement?
1: No. And for no. No, so, so in March, he says you got to do this, and now he says it's not enough. See, the, the left is always moving the ball. This is, by the way, for, for progressives who are listening to me right now, and you're wondering, why won't people on the right recognize we have a problem with gun violence and we need to compromise? The reason is because it will never be enough. At least conservatives are convinced of that. I mean, this president banned bump stocks is willing to go for enhanced background checks, is willing to impose red flag laws on the country, and the left is attacking him for not supporting gun control. Because what the right understands, or at least believes, due to years of left-wing rhetoric, is that the only solution in the left's mind is confiscating guns and banning them. And if you're not willing to ban guns and confiscate guns, then you're not actually in favor of doing anything about the problem. And that's unfortunate because the right's never going to go down that road. And so the right processes this as, okay, if I make all of these compromises, I'm still going to get attacked for not doing enough. So why bother even doing these things when it's never going to be enough for the left? If you could guarantee that the right could do universal background checks and red flag laws and ban bump stocks and say okay we've implemented the gun control and no we would never have more gun control you would see the right rushing to do these things but we know that the moment we do these things, the left will say that's not enough. You got to do more. You got to do more. You're not. You're. You're still supporting the the people shooting people. You're still supporting the bad guys. So why bother lifting a finger? It's the same thing with engaging the media on these issues. Why bother engaging the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, MSNBC, when all they're going to do is paint you as someone opposed to doing anything and supporting the people gunning down others and supporting white nationalism if you dare use the phrase illegal alien. Why bother engaging with reporters who themselves have such a a biased worldview towards the left that they can't do anything other than report this as a political situation? And the bad guys are always the conservatives. There's no reason to engage them. They've proven their point today in their coverage from the AJC to the New York Times. The phone number here is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. How about this? We had a lot of people on hold. I got an announcement I need to make. So next hour, we will spend time on your phone calls out of the gate. I'll scratch the monologue and and we will work through this conference. A lot of people want to share their thoughts on, on gun violence and gun control. So I'll get to that. But i have some news that i need to share with you because i've gotten some very concerned people who heard Uh, so i'm uh, launching another radio show a week from today i am going nowhere here Uh, i will be doing 4 to 6 p.m in atlanta uh hopefully well for a very long time Uh, i love you guys i'm not going anywhere but i have thought for a very long time And the 2018 election really, really got me thinking that there is no real presence in the media covering even national politics from a Georgia perspective, let alone Georgia politics. And and I was really disappointed with the, the death of local media around the state over the past few years. Uh, Stacey Abrams had a lot of national media in her corner, and it was very hard for Republicans to push back about a lot of the lies being told by the Democrats. And I really thought, you know, what if I do another radio show? And give it away for free to stations, make it very easy, as easy as possible for them to cover uh, and and carry, and I'll try to monetize it along the way. And so on Monday, I'm going to launch a second radio show. The flagship station will be WGAU in Athens, Georgia, and we will be distributing the show over the Georgia News Network. Uh, Any station in the state that wants to carry it can, unless you're in Atlanta, then it's got to be WSB. But I'll be here on WSB still. And we'll be statewide, 9 to noon in, in Atlanta, 4 to 6 every day. I'm excited.
0: It's great to be here with all of you and, and also with an awful lot of friends. There's one friend in particular I wanted to mention at the beginning. He's We've known each other for many years in the course of this conservative movement. His voice and his values are respected by people all across this country. And I can tell you, our administration is grateful for his friendship, for his support, and for his leadership in the conservative movement. Would you join me in thanking the founder of the resurgent and one of the most prominent conservatives in America, Eric Erickson.
1: Well, that was a. I didn't even get to hear his speech that's from the Resurgent Gathering over the weekend. I was in the back and got ushered back to the back room. My family was there. The vice president wanted to meet him. So I never even got to hear his speech. I, I didn't get to hear him say those nice things. So it was it very flattering indeed. He's been a longtime friend. We've known each other for a, a decade, at more than a decade. And it was great to see him uh, this weekend. He spent some time with my wife and kids. I got a challenge coin uh, from the vice president. My wife, however, lucked out. Uh, he knew she was coming. He insisted I bring my wife and family very, very funny story about the vice president in, in, in insisting my family come, get, getting the scriptural lecture from the vice president on honoring my parents by making sure they could see the vice president. But so he gave my wife a Secret Service motorcade challenge coin, which you've got to be law enforcement to get. My understanding from one of the Secret Service agents, you've got to be law enforcement to get it, uh, or the president has to authorize you to get it. And so my wife got the Secret Service challenge coin for the motorcade, which was very cool for her riding a motorcycle. Now... Uh, I want to start with this on gun control. Duke from Peachtree City, you are going to be up first tonight. Welcome.
0: Hey, Eric. Hi there. I am concerned about the proliferation of gun violence recently. Mm -hmm. I am a retired surgeon and therefore have seen my share of gun violence, which is not pretty. Mm -hmm. I'm aware of the Second Amendment. But I believe we have a law on the books that outlaws machine guns. Correct. Why not the same uh, in a selective manner in outlawing assault weapons? your well, thoughts
1: y- yeah the the question becomes what is an assault weapon um and it's difficult because if you'll recall the democrats in the 1990s passed an assault weapons ban and it didn't get rid of what you would consider an assault weapon i mean take an ar for example an ar-15 um you know i've had a bunch of hunters tell me you're you're not in your typical ar you're not going to hunt with something like that you're going to want something more powerful than that It looks spooky. It looks like something the military would use, but actually, by caliber, it's really not. And so when people think of assault weapons that need to be banned, they think of the AR-15. They think the AR stands for assault rifle. It actually stands for Armalite, the company. And it's actually, uh, firepower-wise, not as strong as, as a lot of stuff that the people who want to ban guns don't even talk about. So what are we talking about is is part of the problem here. The president got rid of bump stocks, which you could put on the back of one of these rifles and include the make the the, the firing uh, more faster. By the way, it would bounce off your arm. You could pull the trigger faster. But, you know, these things that they don't have machine gun triggers, you actually have to pull per shot. So the real problem here is: What are we? Are we talking about all long barrel guns? Well, does that include the shotgun? Does that include the rifle? What sort of rifles does it include? When actually, overwhelmingly, gun violence in this country is due to handguns. Well, no one actually wants to publicly say they want to ban handguns. So you're not actually solving the problem where majority of shootings actually come from handguns that's what's so difficult here. And then there is the Second Amendment. We can't forget the Second Amendment. A lot of people want to forget the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment is an individual right in our Constitution. No other Constitution in the world has the Second Amendment. And so, frankly, you want my proposed solution for gun violence in this country? You're not going to like it if you're on the left. If you're on the right, you may not like it. We need more guns, not less. Everyone should have a gun in this country. Everybody should should carry in this country. I mean, the, the left solution is we should be like other countries that don't have guns. Well, we have a Second Amendment. Unless you're going to repeal that amendment from the Constitution, it's a non-starter. So get everybody armed. So when shooters go into areas, they know the odds are they're going to be shot very quickly and, and, and uh, put out of their misery. I think you got to think about it differently than other countries because no other country has the Second Amendment. Mike in Atlanta, you're going to be next. Welcome.
2: Uh, yes, sir. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good, good. Um, I was just going to say I like where you're going. Um, my whole idea is real simple about gun control, is give gun owners more responsibility. All you have, We have carry permits that are uh, state regulated. Why not do a national carry permit that allows any person that has it to go anywhere they want with a gun? Because uh, I believe, I'm not for sure, I believe the Walmart in Texas was a no carry zone. And in Texas, they have a law that if there's a no car- you know, no weapon sign on the door, that it carries away to the law, which means you can't carry in there. They can arrest you, take your weapon, and all that stuff. But if we had, say, a well regulated militia, you could, you could turn it into something like that. Basically, um, train people. Uh, active shooters, you know, in active shooter situation. So you get people that want to get their carry permit, but then they want to upgrade it Mm -hmm. to a national carry permit where they do it every year instead of every five years. Right. Simply pay, you know, a couple of bucks basically to have the guy train you, do active uh, shooter drills, uh, Mm -hmm. marksmanship, everything. And even if they want to initiate it, maybe a little, uh, uh, in-depth background check you know uh check uh your social media account if they want some garbage whatever they're going to.
1: well yeah you know when you get thanks very much for that mike when you get into checking people's social media you're getting into freedom of speech so you're combining the first and the second that becomes deeply problematic but uh, i am actually in favor of uh, expanded reciprocity laws where i should be able to i got a concealed carry permit be able to go anywhere in the country with my gun See, and again, I I realize there are people on on the left. I, I, I love you. I respect you. We disagree on this issue. I know it's an impassioned, emotional thing today, given what's happened. And a lot of my friends who are on the left get mad at me when I say this, particularly around these times, because it tends to come up. But our country has a Second Amendment, and it is an individual right to keep and bear arms. The other nations that you guys look at, like Australia, which did a big mandatory gun buy- buyback program, or um, New Zealand, which did a, is forcing people to turn over guns. By the way, in New Zealand, they're finding out it's, it's impossible to implement. They're they're giving up uh, shortly after it got all sorts of uh, fawning media attention here in this country. They're giving it up because they can't get people to turn their guns in and they don't have a gun registry. Um, it, it's this country is different from those countries because we have a Second Amendment. So we need to stop looking at these other countries saying, let's do what they did because we can't constitutionally do what they did unless you're going to amend the Constitution. And you got to have two-thirds of both houses of Congress and three-quarters of the states to get that done, and that's not going to happen. So think differently about these things. It, it's always r- striking to me that the political left praises people who think differently. You think differently from on them on gun violence, and you're a monster. No, we're just trying to actually come up with a way to solve the problem within the bounds of our constitution just want to do a quick time out for thanking quip for being a longtime sponsor of this program a lot of you you got kids like me headed back to school and well maybe they're hygienic honest to goodness i'm not sure how often our kid bathe during the summer our our oldest now is just about every day but the 10 year old uh, well time to get them back into a good routine, and Quip is a great way to do it. If they're having difficulties getting, well, their teeth brushed on a regular basis, get them a Quip. Uh, you know, they, they've got a kid-sized version now, but even the adult version, it's fantastic. Long-time user, love it. My wife uses it, my daughter uses it. I guess I need to get the 10-year-old to start using it. Um, it just, it works. It's one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association. They're backed by over 25,000 dental professionals. They've got thousands of five-star reviews, verified five-star reviews, no less. It's just a great tooth brush it works it's so well designed it's only 25 dollars. if you go to getquip.com eric right now you get your first refill pack for free so you get your first refill pack free at slash eric and what is that refill pack well every three months you get a new brush head so your quip stays up to date and fresh go to getquip.com eric right now and get this great deal Hello there, it is Eric Erickson, Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. All right, I want to go to Robert. Uh, you're going to be next. Robert, welcome.
2: Eric, how are you this afternoon? Good, how are you? I'm real good. Yeah, I just want to give you a look uh, and feel from what it, from the audience and what it felt like uh, at the gathering. Sure. Uh, I did a lot of asking around and uh, asked, you know, who, who were you impressed with? And to the person, it was Tim Scott. It might have been Tim no Scott kidding. and the governor or Tim Scott and Purdue or, or Cotton. But to the person, it was Tim Scott. And almost everyone said the same thing I did. He's the real deal.
1: You, you know, honestly, I I knew we were going to have to deal with the, the unfortunate headlines of today. And I wouldn't have time to play a lot of what people said from stage. But tomorrow, I want to try to track down some of him and Bill Lee. And play some of what they said, because I got to tell you, Tim Scott is one of the most impressive politicians in America, and he avoids the spotlight by and large, but he's just he's a fantastic guy. I just think the world of him. He's a, a wonderful, wonderful human being and was delighted that he could come this year. Last year, we tried to get him, and he couldn't get out to Austin. It was too far. We got a lot of people who said uh, they very much appreciated us doing it in Atlanta because, if nothing else, Delta can get you in and out, even with the storms usually. And um, it it was great. So I will try to get some of that audio this week. Robin in Canton, you're next. Welcome. Well, uh, well,
2: thank you very much. Um, What I wanted to ask was I keep hearing this red flag thing thrown around mm-hmm. as a solution, who is going to decide who poses a threat? Is it going to be a political enemy? Is it going to be somebody who owns more than five guns? How are they going to determine well who is a threat?
1: So it, it depends on the version of the law. Marco Rubio has one, and, and a number of friends of mine say it, it actually would do more harm than good. Uh, it would implicate the First Amendment. As some of the red flag laws out there are, it's got to be law enforcement and there are certain criteria by which they can file, or it's got to be family members who are disturbed. Uh, gun gun rights uh, restraining orders are, are kind of implicated there. It really depends on how the law is crafted, but you wanted as, as few people as possible able to apply the red flag law. I'm going to, uh, just bear with me if you're on the phones, and I apologize, but I got an email during commercial break, and I wasn't even going to talk about this subject, but it's from a Lady Karen in Alpharetta, and I, I it was something I was going to talk about, and I struck out of the lineup of things I wanted to talk about, and she emailed me, and I think I, I want to address this, because I'm sure if she's asking... You, you know, the, normally like with, with letters to the editor, you see a, a letter to the editor in the paper, uh, there are probably a hundred more people thinking the same thing. And they try to be representative when they formulate letters to the editor in the newspaper. And, and I guess I should do that here. And, and she writes, I, I don't mean this with hostility. I'm just genuinely interested. I hear you talk about your faith, but if God is real, why do things like these shootings happen? It just seems if God is real, we wouldn't have tragedies like these. And you know, I I get this from a lot of people. Um, there are a lot of people. Brian Stetler on CNN mocking Mitch McConnell for offering thoughts and prayers. I mean, why would anyone want to go on CNN? That that's a different topic. But but this, uh, well, essentially, it boils down to the st- the standard question of if God is real and God is good, why do bad things happen? He either can't be real or he can't be good. And there are a lot of people who buy that argument, and and I think it's a nonsensical argument. Let me let me explain my view for those of you who have this we are all sinners the the path through this life is trying to get right with god the sin in in eden that caused mankind to be pushed out of Eden is a sin that disrupts our right relationship with God, and it festers. If you, if you go into Jesus, one of the things I'm, I've am i always been fascinated about in, in the account of Noah and the flood, and, and just if you're listening, I am a, a, an Orthodox Christian, and I believe there really was a, a global flood. There was a guy and his family and animals in a boat. I, I really do believe this. If you can't take me seriously, I'm sorry. Uh, me and, and two billion other people on the planet believe this story to be true. You're in the minority, not us. But if you read Genesis one, as God's creating the heavens and the earth, he, he first he he separates uh, the 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 water above and below. He puts the water in the ground. Um, he, he makes the day and the night and all. And when you read the account in Noah, what you see is an exact reversal uh, in the precise order it happened in Genesis one and in, in Genesis six in the Noah Noahic account. The water bursts forth from below, and then it rises on the earth, and the water comes down from the heaven, and, and then the whole world is is wiped away. Eden itself is drowned. It, it's an effect of sin on the planet. Sin affects everything, every man, woman, child, Every animal, every plant, every bacteria, sin pollutes. And after after Noah is on the boat and the water goes away, there's still sin. It, it's still in the ground, but God promises he won't wipe out the world like that again. But sin through Noah finds its way, creeping back into the world. Uh, the birth rates of, of mankind decline in the Bible over time because of sin. Sin is bad. Sin is polluting. And God himself does not escape from it. It doesn't say God is a sinner. But he can't escape from the impact of sin. Sin is so overwhelming, something has to happen. And this is why God is great, God is good, God is real, but there's sin in the world. And it's a sin even he could not escape from. So, and you know, I tell people this all the time who have trouble with forgiveness. It gets into the whole issue with sin as well. Uh, Sin so overwhelms the world and pollutes our souls that God himself had to come in the form of a man and be nailed to a cross and die. Martin Luther said it was the, the greatest sinner of all time on that cross. The So much sin, even the sky went dark. God himself turned his back. Uh, the sins of all the world, past, present, future at that time, piled on one man so that we can have a restored relationship with God. Uh, it, we, we don't have a way out of this, but God didn't have a way out of it except death either. I tell people all the time, uh, if you've got somebody in your life who you can't forgive, what you're saying is that what happened to you is more unforgivable than what happened to Christ on the cross, who said, Father, forgive them before he died. Um, Is the slight from your coworker, from your family, from your friend, from your former friend, is it worse than the the torturing of Christ and nailing him to to a cross? He could forgive that, but you can't forgive someone saying something unkind to you? And it's the same with this. Uh, evil is an absence of God. I, I'm in the Augustine camp on this. Evil is the absence of God. Where there is not God, there is evil. Definitionally, that is evil. It, it's not some malevolent creature, although there are malevolent creatures, things seen and unseen uh, that we sometimes can't grasp, um, but they live in the absence of God. And sin is the absence of God. The more you put God in your life, the less you Sin. And that's what we're dealing with here. It is a spiritual problem. And as progressives in the country move away from the idea of sin and redemption and forgiveness and an actual God and embrace a secular atheist view, they leave out sin. But in the process, they leave out the concept of grace as well. And frankly, there are a lot of people on the right who have forgotten about grace who treat everyone who disagrees with them as nasty as as progressive secularists who don't believe in grace do and we as a society have got to do better i listen i don't care whether you share my worldview or not but bad things happen and you can look at bad things and say well there can't be a god because this bad thing wouldn't happen but you know what i take real comfort in a god who is willing to die on a cross, who's willing to take the world's sins upon himself. I take real comfort in knowing that I can't escape bad things, but if bad things come to me and take me away, they carry me off to my creator. And I'm okay with that. And I understand the sense of those who have abandoned the idea that there's an eternity for you're dead and the worms eat your body and everybody eventually forgets you. And it enrages those people and they feel like they have to fight in the here and now because there's nothing after now. I believe there is something after now. And unfortunately, I think there are too many people on the right who fight in ways that suggest they don't really believe there's something later that they won't be held accountable for their actions either, and there's nothing better later, so they got to make it as as good as they can here by by owning the left, just as the left wants to own the right. We are living in a society filled with moral decay. We are living in a society that has decided that it can abandon trying to find a creator in heaven who can help us and deciding we've got to find politicians who can save us. But politicians are sinners too. Frankly, I'm a conservative because I'm a Christian. I want as few sinners in charge of me as possible. But there is a God. He is real. But bad things happen because there's sin in the world. And he didn't escape them either. He was willing to die on a cross because of those bad things. We get no escape from this world. We get no respite from us but we can find peace if we're willing to look for it. And frankly, I think a lot of churches need to step up and be more engaged in their communities, and not just focused on the people who are inside the church doors, but those on the outside in their immediate immediate area. Instead of sending the kids in the church off to uh, Puerto Rico or, or the beaches of Mexico to do mission work, well, you got a mission field in your backyard that is clearly suffering, that clearly needs Jesus, that clearly needs you involved these lonely young men who are alienated from society and everyone's ignoring them. It's not just the government that needs to step up. It's the church as well that needs to. Well, my apologies to those of you I couldn't get to on the phones today. We've only got 30 seconds. We will see you guys tomorrow here on 95.5 WSB. Maybe they'll change the name again.